0: But that's for you today. Somebody say amen. amen. Uh, in the book *The Hiding Place*, uh, Corrie Ten Boom, uh, Boom tells the times in Holland during the German invasion in World War II. And uh, one particular night, she tossed and turned in bed, not able to go to sleep, and the warplanes were flying overhead, buzzing back and forth. And she heard her sister Betsy uh, downstairs making uh, some tea. And having not been able to sleep, she went downstairs uh, and they began to talk, her and her sister, late into the night. And uh, eventually the fighter planes died down and they went upstairs again. And going back up to her room, uh, Ms. Ten Boom reached out in to, in the dark, feel around and pat for her pillow before lying down. And suddenly she felt something sharp cut her hands. And it was a piece of jagged metal, 10 inches long, and she cried out for her sister, and she said, Betsy, if I had not heard you in the kitchen, and her sister said, stop, Corey, don't, don't say it. There are no ifs in God's world, and the center of His will is our safety. And later on, Corey would go through three uh, uh, prison camps in Nazi Germany. Her sister would die. And along the way, she would find out this truth that God's perfect will is our hiding place. And she went on to write a book, and there's a popular movie about it. But the center of His will is our safety, and God's will is our hiding place. How many people could say there's been times in my life where I can look back, I can say God's hand definitely was upon me because I would not be here today uh, if it had not been for His perfect will in my life. And sometimes we don't always know how to find that place or that, that uh That situation may not be so reality as Nazi Germany today, but in the chaos and disorder of our lives, how do we find ourselves continually at the center of God's will? What do you do when life gets fearful and chaotic and stressful and turmoil comes and you can't think clear because of all the things that are happening, maybe not even in the world, just maybe in your head? All the things that are going on, you've got this stress and that responsibility and that thing, and I've got to figure this out, and I don't know where I'm supposed to go and why and how or why I'm in the place that I'm in right now. What do you do when that time comes, and how do you find God as your hiding place? I think in these chaos uh, times of life, one of the challenges and maybe the problem we want to address today is that, and in pastoring I've noticed, as life gets busy, As life gets chaotic and it gets stressful, that's the often time we we barely have even family time, much less God time. And all the stresses and the responsibilities and the chaos of life begin to come in. We find ourselves more and more separated from God. But if we would just only realize how powerful God is, if we would only realize how much we can trust him, if we only sought his goodwill for us and if we only had the patience to just press in and wait upon him, we would find victory Times of refreshing and the fullness of life—that's what's waiting in the waiting in that hiding place. And so we're going to talk this morning that there is a secret place, a place of refuge, where we can find God's presence in our chaos. And so I want to kind of break it out this morning this way. I want us to talk about these secrets. We're talking about secret place, the hiding place, the secret place with God. But uh, we have secrets. God has secrets, and He has a secret place. And I want to kind of lead us into that because I want to go to the secret place with God. I want to find that hiding place with God. But first, I got to talk about my secrets. We got to talk about our secrets. And so uh, in scripture, secrets in the context of you and I are always bad, almost always bad secrets in the place of God. We're going to talk about in a minute. But when it talks about secrets in scripture, almost every time the context is in a negative way. It's in the secret place, and our secrets is what uh, we find in the secret times uh, with human beings. That's where we begin to lie and talk about our neighbors. That's the secret places that we have. That's where we begin to gossip about other people. Uh, adultery happens in secret. Murder uh, almost always happens in secret. Uh, Ephesians 5.12 says the most disgraceful sins actually are done in secret. And so what the, what is good about secrecy? What's good about this secret thing? Jeremiah 23 24 says, can a man hide himself in secret places so that I do not see him, says the Lord? Do I not feel the heavens and the earth, declares the Lord? Do you know there's no such thing as secret sin? There's no such thing as secret sin. God says, I, I look at the secrets of the heart. I, I can see into every heart of every man, woman and child. I know your intentions. I know what you did that one day way back when, when you thought nobody was looking. I know what you secretly think about him or her. I know what you've done. I know it. I see all things. And I know the secrets of the heart, he says in Psalms 44. And in Psalms 90, it says that his presence actually exposes our secret sin. You ever been to that time uh, where the pastor begins preaching and you know you want to go down to the altar, but you're scared of what might come out? Or you, you know you should go to prayer, but you're scared because there's this this thing holding on to you that you don't want to confess it. It's almost like a shame that you, uh, you do something and, and that's like the least time you want to pray right then. Because there's this this hidden thing. There's this, exp- this, uh, this thing that begins to separate us. And I think about Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve, they, they rebel against God and, and uh, their secret sin while He was away. They begin to partake of that, uh, that forbidden fruit. And then What happens? That, during that secret sin, that shame begins to cover them and they begin to separate themselves from God. And They even uh, falsely think they can hide it from God. So they, they go off, they make fig leaves and, and clothing for their own selves. And then when God's presence comes by, they begin to hide from it. That's so very much you and I. That's so very much every single person. We, we think that falsely we can cover up our secrecy. And this is the, the hindrance, number one hindrance, Before we can even get into the secret place today, it must begin right here. That your secrets hinder your relationship with God. My secrets hinder my relationship with God. I falsely think that I can hide them and cover them up, but that secret sin begins to separate me, it begins to condemn me, it begins to put shame on my life, and eventually it ends up in eternal death and damnation apart from an ever-loving God. And so Adam and Eve began to separate themselves, but the presence of God began to draw them. And He drew them, and He drew them, and He drew them. And And when they decided to come out and be exposed, even though they were covered up, really they were exposed in their sin. They began to step out from the bushes and come out. And God, yes, even though He disciplined them, He gave them a great promise of restoration. And then He covered them with a better clothing. He made the first sacrifice for them, and He promised them a great Redeemer coming to undo everything they had already done. You see, that's the awesomeness of our God is that though my secrets begin to hide me and separate me and distance me, my God begins to draw me out. And no doubt this morning, perhaps you're here and you've done something in secret. You've got thoughts in your head about someone or something. You've done something that you, you shouldn't have done. And we are all there. And the presence of God can be this awful thing to you. You can feel shame. You can feel regret. But let me tell you this morning, God's spirit is drawing you to a place of restoration. God's Spirit is drawing you to a place of covering. And if you would just step out from what you thought you were hiding from, you'll find a God that there's no more secrets. There's no more secrets. Whether it's secret sin or not, though, sometimes we can use work and family and hobbies, even ministry, to begin hiding from God. You say, Pastor, there's no real big secret sin in my life I made. I went to the cross and and I, I, I raised my hand in church. Sometimes we can get so busy with the cares of life and God is drawing us to this deeper place. He's drawing us into this communion with Him. And we just begin to get so busy. Maybe there's a place you know that you sh- there's something that's not right in your life and you have filled your life with being busy with work. You've filled your life. Sometimes, let me be honest, you can feel your life being busy with your kids. You can feel your life going and going and going and going. And what you're doing is you're denying that God has been trying to draw you into some deeper place. I've been there. I know what it's like. There's these things we just begin to fill our lives with this emptiness. We, uh, we fall in this emptiness. We begin to fill our lives with it. Like, I guess I just got to keep going. I got to keep moving. I got to keep going and, and, and filling my life with all of this stuff. But his presence is calling us. And Let me tell you, there is going to come a day, whether it be on this earth or the next, you're going to meet God face to face. And all of our secrets before him will be exposed and wiped away. His presence is calling us and God doesn't want any secrets between you and him. And you can't keep your secrets and enter into a secret place with God. I want you to know that today. That's the that's the baseline of truth we must establish today on that first we must leave our secrets to realize, just like Adam and Eve, it's not that I should hide from the Lord, but I should hide in the Lord. We're not here to hide. We're not hiding from the Lord anymore. I want to hide in the Lord. How many people are ready to hide in the Lord today? Amen? Okay, good. But I had to tell you the truth, okay? You got to let it all out. It's okay. It's a good place. We're all broken. We're all messed up. We all have done things we regret. And I'm not asking you to confess your sin out loud in front of this whole church, but to before the Lord that we become open and unashamed. Amen? So we have our secrets are always bad, okay? But God has his secrets too. And let me give you the disclaimer today that Christianity is not a secret society. It's not a special club. It's not a place where you go to find some secret higher knowledge or mysticism. Okay? Take that out of your or your or your frame of mind. But the Bible does say God's ways are higher than our ways. That, that His ways, He has secret counsel and wisdom, the Psalms say. And think of it this way. God is like a dad. Now, I have a three-year-old, so I really get this a lot more now. That... I don't want any secrets between my daughter and me. I want her to tell me everything, okay? But I also know I don't tell her everything. Why? Because her little mind can't handle it. Daddy, what's that on the TV? Well, just turn your head, kid. We don't, we, we, turn the, turn the channel. You know, like those, there's, what did that, what was that word? What does that word mean, Daddy? You don't want to know. You know, like, there are things we don't tell our children because they're not ready yet, right? There are things that they shouldn't have to understand yet, but when they get older, I want to be open and honest and tell them these things. And so I don't want any secrets with her to me, but there are some things I've held off my knowledge of before she's ready. Does that make sense today? Okay. And so uh, God is very much that way like a good father. He doesn't want any secrets between you and I, but there are things that He begins to reveal. Uh, Scripture says, Psalms 25, verse 14, The secret of the Lord is for those who fear Him. That's His children now. And He makes them know His covenant. You see, God had this mysterious plan from the very beginning. The Bible says in Romans that God hid this secret plan of Jesus Christ's coming from the foundation of the world, that in the very beginning, he had this secret, this mystery, the Bible says. And along the way, he would tell his prophets. Amos tells us that that God never said anything without revealing it or never did anything without revealing it to his prophets. And along the way, he would tell a prophet, hey, here's a little nugget of this covenant I have coming, this new covenant. There's a little nugget of sending my son. he would give Isaiah, there's going to be a suffering servant. He'd tell him that part. Isaiah, there's going to be a great redeemer. And he began telling these nuggets along the way as his children needed to know. But he never gave them the whole picture. But then Jesus Christ steps in. And the Bible says that Jesus Christ came speaking the mystery of the gospel of the kingdom of God. All mystery had been revealed when Jesus Christ came, that, that we knew now God and the revelation of grace and truth, John says. And even the apostles, after Jesus begins preaching this great mystery, that the kingdom of God is now coming to earth, today's the day of redemption. Even the apostles, uh, the apostle Paul, he said, now we're preaching this great mystery, this great mystery, uh, the apostle Paul said, uh, this mystery of the gospel in Ephesians 6, 9. In Ephesians 3, he says, it's the mystery that's been hidden for the ages in God but in Colossians has now been made known. You see, all mysteries begin begin revealed in Jesus Christ. You can look through the Bible, you can begin to see this marvelous, prophetic, mysterious, beautiful plant of God's redemption for us. And the Bible says, even though we've received this great revelation of Jesus Christ, we still don't know it all because, for instance, when's he coming? What the Bible say? It's not for you to know the times and the seasons of God's coming. There's still some mysteries left in God's plan for you. But what God does, He gives you the Holy Spirit along the way. Let me tell you, this journey of the Christian life, it never ends and it's never boring. How many people can identify with me that the longer I have been in the Word and been in church and been in communion with God, knowing His grace just gets more awesome and awesome and awesome. The more I'm with Him, the more I'm like, oh... Did you see that truth? And then another year later, I'll read it again. Oh my gosh, I see it this way now. Like that song we sang earlier. It's just like the mystery of the awesome grace and plan of God. It's just better and better. And the Holy Spirit begins reveal, revealing more and more and more. And if you're in church for 30 years and you're still hung up on the same old knowledge you had before, and let me tell you something. You've missed the secrets that God wants to reveal to you. It's not some higher knowledge. It's a revelation of God's loving plan for your life and for my life. That God has something he wants to share with you. And from the very beginning, Bible says God has always wanted to dwell and walk with you. He's always wanted to put his presence in the middle of your life. He's always wanted to talk with you. That's why he made Adam and Eve. I always want to talk with you. I always want to be with you. I always want to dwell with you and reveal my heart to you. And now... He can do it in a level that no one ever thought possible. Let's look a little further. Mark chapter 4, verse 22. Jesus talking about the light of the world. He says, But nothing hidden except to be revealed. There's nothing hidden except to be revealed, but nor has anything been secret, but that it would come to light. He's talking about the gospel. See, the Christian life is this continual revelation of the mystery of God's love for us. And God loves to tell you, His secret love for you. Now, I I want you to just stay right there just for, for a second. Remember this. God loves to talk to you. God loves to reveal His heart for you and His heart for the world. And God's heart is so big. His love is so amazing. His plan is so awesome. You can never get enough of it. And I want to dwell in a place where my secrets are gone away and all I have left is saying, God, I just want to know you more. That's the beginning of a secret place. So we got our secrets bad, God's secrets good and awesome. And God has a secret place. Let's talk about this for a minute. So you're in Psalms 32, verse 7. Just stay right there, okay? The secret place, uh, you find in Scripture this, this phrase, it's either a secret place or a hiding place. And nobody writes more about it than King David himself. And the word "secret place" uh, really comes from this Greek and Hebrew word uh, to mean hiding place it 's a place of concealment of cover of shelter of refuge you know uh, when I was growing up behind our house, there was some uh, a field that and some woods that really wasn 't our property, but me and my best friend we would sneak over to that property and there was this tree that had this big kind of like an um, umbrella, just this tree, and actually it had a hole and i 'm talking that it went all the way up to the top and and went all the way around and touched the ground. But there was a hole through it. And once you go inside of it, it was this opening space, like this umbrella. And that was kind of our little secret clubhouse that was ours. And my best friend and I, we got closer in that time. We began to, you know, grow as friends. We could tell secrets. You know, uh, we didn't do this. But, you know, the blood brother kind of stuff, you know, the things you did when you were little and you didn't know any better. But, you know, like uh, you grew together because you had a secret place together. Anybody had a secret clubhouse when you are little? Okay, cool. Some of you grew up in normal America. No, not really. Uh, You know, so our friendship grew in the secret place. Hiding from the uh, King Saul in the caves, David began to pen a lot about this. And in Psalms 27, verse 5, he said, "...for in the day of trouble he will conceal me in his tabernacle, in the secret place of his tent... He will hide me. He will lift me upon the rock. That's going to go with Psalms thirty two that you're at here in a second, but I'm going to really expound on Psalms twenty-seven five, so you can flip back and forth with me. But Psalms twenty seven verse five, he says, God is going to conceal me in his tabernacle, in the secret place of his tent, that's the tabernacle. He will hide me, and he'll lift me upon a rock. Okay, now follow with me. This is where it all comes to pass he was discovering as he's running for his life and fearing for his life, he discovered that just like those caves that he was hiding in, in the Judean wilderness, that God to him had become a place of refuge. How many know God is a place of refuge today, right? That just like those caves I'm hiding from my enemy Saul, so also God to me has become this cave, this hiding place, this secret place where I am alone with him in a dark place. But God, to me, has not only just saved me from my enemies, He saved my soul from sin and death. Amen? Amen. And so God is a secret place, a hiding place, a place of refuge, of safety. And so it was a physical time in His life, brought a spiritual reality to Him. How many know sometimes we go through physical things in this world that God teaches us a spiritual principle, right? Okay, some of you. Amen. So He said, God is like this cave to me a secret place, but see, it goes so much deeper than there because the Holy Spirit brings a little bit more revelation here because I read this verse 10 times this week and I didn't get it until last night, okay? So God is just still revealing things, all right? And so Psalms 27, verse 5, he says, He's going to conceal me in His tabernacle, the secret place of His tent. He'll hide me. He'll lift me up on a rock. Okay, so David is sitting here in the dark, in a cave, hiding. And what he is thinking about in his mind's eye is that back in Jerusalem, where the tabernacle is, is a secret place in the tabernacle is the place called the Holies of Holies, where the Ark of the Covenant sat and it was veiled behind a 30-foot curtain where no man could go but the priest once a year. And to do that, he had to be covered uh, in a sacrifice for blood, and then he had to wash himself with a certain ritual washing, a uh, purification washing, and then he would go into the Holy of Holies. But every other day of the year, the closest he could ever get, the high priest, could, or one of the priests, could go to the altar of incense, which is just before the veil, and they would make an incense offering. And that smoke would billow up and it would go over the curtain of the veil into the presence of God. And that was symbolic of their prayers. The prayers would go over the top of the veil and through the veil into the atmosphere where God was, that secret place. And there was no light in that place but just God's presence. And it was a dark, mysterious place covered by some angels with the mercy seat on the Ark of the Covenant. And so this is just for the priests who had been covered by the blood, washed in the water. And David is thinking in this cave, he's thinking, God to me in this cave is like a secret place. And God, while I'm in this cave, I'm actually in the presence of God. It's as if David now never having been to that place before, even as king or as he wasn't king yet, but even as a servant of the king, not even the king could go into that place. But he's never been there before. But he's thinking in the cave, Oh God, I'm imagining you in the splendor of your presence. Me and you behind the veil. Me at the mercy seat, at the glorious center of your presence. And right now in this place of my life, I'm actually behind the veil. I'm actually with you, God, in a secret place where no one else can go but me and you. David was getting a prophecy, a prophetic spirit uh, that, that he was understanding that uh, for him and God, even in this place, God became to him a, a secret place, a hidden place. In Psalms so he says, Psalms 32, verse 7, he says, You are my hiding place. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with songs of deliverance. What does that mean for you and I today? David is in the cave, he's in the dark, he's thinking of this place he's never even been to, the place of the presence of God, and in this cave, the presence of God begins to come down upon him. You see, for you and I today, he says there's a tabernacle he's going to put me in and a rock he sets me upon. For you and I today, David was speaking prophetically into the future, a revelation of God's loving plan, his mystery for you and I today is that you and I have a rock that's Jesus Christ. And when Jesus Christ died on the cross, the veil was torn from top to bottom. And now you and I have access into his presence by the Holy Spirit that dwells within you. And you become a tabernacle of dwelling for God. And this revelation is that no matter what cave you're in, whether it's David's cave or Daniel's lion's den or or Joseph's pit, no matter if you're in the chaos of the life between two rocks in a hard place, and no matter where you find yourself at today, you can enter into the secret place of God. Amen? Amen? That is such a glorious, marvelous truth today, that no matter where you find yourself in, God to us is Jehovah Zithri, the secret place of hiding. And I hope that's for you today. Because I think about David and not having ever been there before. He's in that cave and he has to rely on what, what knowledge he has. It. God, I'm in this place where my enemies are coming around me. Life is falling apart. The plans I thought I had, Lord, you put me as a servant to the king. God, I thought I had a fast track, Lord, to be somebody. You told me promises of my life that I was going to be somebody great one day. But God, I'm sitting here rotten in this cave and there's no hope for me in this life. There's Walmart's 20 miles away, walking distance. God, I can't, I can't make it anymore. And then he begins to write, but God, I close my eyes and I think about your presence. I think about that place, God, that nobody can go but me and you. And right there in that moment, the Holy Spirit begins to these ten. He says, you know what, God, your Holy Spirit to me is the tabernacle. The rock is Jesus Christ, the Messiah who's coming. He's going to make everything right again. And today, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what den or pit or cave you're in, what formless time of chaos. But for you and I today... Any place can be a secret place with God. Any place, whether it's on the road driving or it's in the middle of a confrontation in your office building, you step out just in the hallway, no matter where you are, any place, any pit, any cave, any dungeon can be a secret place with the Most High God. How do you find it, though? I don't know if maybe you've been in a chaotic time in your life before and God has felt veiled. And you say, why God, why are you, why are you veiled? What's going on? I don't, I don't feel you in this chaotic time in my life. Anybody ever been there before? Amen. You know, even having this revelation, sometimes like Israel, we can, we can uh, not pay attention to His Word and His purpose for us. And if we're not careful, even like David, who had this wonderful revelation of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and the rock Jesus Christ and how that, that veil was rent and Jesus has now allowed us access into this most holy place that any place now can be a secret place because of Jesus and what He's done for us and the veil being torn and the separation now gone. Sometimes it doesn't always feel like it. Sometimes it doesn't feel like I feel God or I, I don't sense him. God, why am I here? What's going on? Let me give you a few things before we close today about how you find this secret place. And this is just straight through the Psalms. I think of what David had learned through his life. I'm going to give you four things today about how do you find that secret place. Are you ready? Amen. Number one, you must fear God. God. Number one, you must fear God. You see, David, even though he knew this wonderful truth, he found himself in a place where he got his mind a little too busy or really a little too bored. And he found himself in a place of adultery and murder, thinking he could still hide that too. But what happened? God called him out on that, just like Adam and Eve. God began to draw him from his secrets back to a secret place. And David gets exposed. Yes, he's disciplined a little bit, but God begins to restore his life and his calling and his ministry purpose. And David began to understand in Psalms 31, uh, he's, he wrote that God has great goodness stored up for those who fear him, for those who take refuge in him. You see, I can take refuge in a God I fear. The world would say, oh, but why is God got to be fearful? Can he just be love and puppy dogs and rainbows and turn the other cheek and, you know, and all that stuff? Let me tell you something. God is a fearful and awesome God. He must be. How many people want to serve a God that's a pushover? I want to serve a God that's bigger than my enemies. I want to serve a God that's bigger than sin and death. I want to serve a God that can make the world right again. I don't want just a rainbow, cloud-covered teddy bear God. There must come before us this holy reverence and fear... That for many today, we move from the place of uh, remaining in my secrets. And so many people are remaining in their secrets. They're saying, God, don't come near me. I don't need your holiness. I'm good enough on my own. I can make it on my own. I don't need to be fully exposed. I can hide right here. I can cover myself up pretty good. I can stay in these bushes. God, I can make it. I know I made a mistake, but God, I'm good. I'm fine. But we get to a place where we say, God, but I need your light to shine on me. God, I need You to expose the darkness in my heart. And that's an okay thing to say. It's a good thing to say. And David learned that, it's that those who are fearful of God, they have a holy reverence for Him. They know they've sinned. They, they admit their need for this great and awesome God because He knows while I also fear Him, I know that He hides me in the shelter of His mighty strong hands. This is a good God. And so not only do I fear Him, number one, I must trust Him. Number two. So there's this awesome God who's bigger and badder than all my enemies. And I fear this, this thing. And, and sometimes that fear, that exposure. But then I begin to say, but know what? I trust you, God. David wrote in Psalms 31 that I took refuge in Him and I trusted His righteousness to deliver me. And, and we begin to commit our souls to the care of God and to believe that just like in verse 2 it said in, that, that God is the rock of my salvation. He's all that I need. If I trust God for the eternal care of my soul, how do I not trust him with everything? Think about it. If I trust God with the eternity of my soul, how do I not trust him with my finances, with my job, with the clothes that I wear, with getting gas in my car, to providing all that I need? That's what Jesus comes. He says, my children, don't you get it? Seek first the kingdom of God. All these things added unto you. God knows the sparrows that fall. He knows clothes the flowers. Just give your life, your soul, everything to God. Trust Him with everything. And so David says, okay, I fear Him, but I also trust Him. He's my rock. He's my refuge. He's all that I need. And I commit my soul to the care of Christ. Oswald Chambers said it this way. He said, when we live in a secret place it becomes impossible for us to doubt God. Think about that. He says, we become more sure of Him than anything else in a secret place. When I trust my soul to the care of God, and I begin to give more of myself over and say, God, I've secretly been prideful. God, I've secretly been trying to control my whole life. God, I'm secretly having judgment and passing it on that person. I begin to give over my secrets and my confession to God, and He begins to reveal more and more of His secrets. He begins to say, but you know, I know the good plans I have for you, plans to prosper you. He says, I know that I knew you from the foundation of the world. I had something in mind for you. And he begins to tell you the things he loves about you and to tell you the things that he has for you. And he begins to tell you what he's going to do for your family and begins to give you words of knowledge and wisdom and, and all the things that's going to happen in your life. He begins to share his great mercies for you. And he says, did you know what I did for you in the cross? Do you know how much I'm with you in the night watches? And I'm singing over you songs of deliverance. I'm speaking things over you. And we begin to say, okay, God, I'm, I'm trusting you. I'm letting it go. And we begin to get more and more revelation. And the more and more I do that in my life, the more and more I say, God, I do trust you. What worries do I have in this world? What do I care about? i got a God who I trust with my whole heart, my whole life, my whole body. So if David goes from I fear God to number two, I trust him. Number three, he says, uh, we must seek God. David asked for, in Psalms 27, to seek and dwell in the house of the Lord. I'll, one thing I ask, one thing I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. All the days of my life, behold his beauty, he, that David, he wanted to be with God. Is that your desire today? Do you get up every day and think, I just want to be with God today? Or do I get up and I'm thinking, have got this to do, that to do, this to do, that to do, this problem, that problem trying to get it out, get the Pop-Tart in the hand, race in the truck, go down the road, almost making it to work, but whatever. But that I would dwell in the presence of the Lord today. David got up every day on his good days. We all have bad days. and said, I want to be with God today. How many people want to get up Monday morning and still feel like, I want to be with God today? Amen? He says, so I seek God. You know, a secret place is never discovered until you search for it. That's why it's a secret place. Sometimes God's going to put you through some places in your life so that you will make them a secret place. Some of you have been through tragedies. Some of you have been through difficulties. Some of you even right now are going through a season in your life that you would call a pit or a cave or a dungeon or a den. You've been through things maybe recently or in your past and God wants you to make that place a secret place. And sometimes we don't look for them to be that. We don't search for them to be that. But David, he said, I'm seeking for him and I'm, I want to discover that. And so maybe it's that tree house in your backyard you've never been to before that you and God could get that friendship to grow. But you've got to go find it. You've got to search it out. Sometimes I think our Christianity is more like a texting relationship with God. We begin to text a few prayers. We maybe get a response back, and that's the extent of our relationship with God. We're on this, we need to get some Skype going from heaven, right? We need to get some FaceTime going here, where you and God are spending time together in the secret place, seeking Him out. You know, the Song of Solomon, which most people don't preach on very much anymore, but it's an illustration of Christ and His church, the bride and the groom, And in the Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 14, the bride sneaks out, the Bible says, to a secret place just to see her future husband and hear his voice and see his form. She longs, she couldn't wait for the day that she was his and he was hers. And this becomes this glorious picture of a church that says, God, I just, I know it's not marriage day yet. I know I'm not up to heaven yet, but God, I just need to sneak out tonight and see you. God, I just need to sneak out in my prayer time today and just spend time with you and long to be with you. And is that your relationship today, church, with a God that you're engaged to marry at the marriage supper of the Lamb at his second coming? That you are today in an engagement that you're saying, God, I long, I don't know if you remember what it was like to be in love. Some of you married people. But you used to like to write love notes. You used to want to call and talk to them at 3 a.m. in the morning and and get to that place where you're like, I just want to see her or him today. I, I went to school and all I can think about is getting home because we got this hot date tonight, you know, at, at Kentucky Fried Chicken or whatever, Popeye's, you know, like that's what it was in high school or whatever, right? You know, I, I just it doesn't matter where it is, I just want to be with them. How is your relationship with God today? Do you fear Him? Do you trust Him? And are you seeking Him? Is He desirable anymore? Has the love grown dead? You'd say, God, like Jesus, even Jesus in the flesh needed that intimacy with His Father in heaven. In the midst of the chaos and the stress of His ministry, nobody's ministry was more stressful than Jesus Christ. People bumping into Him, going through crowds and coming down roofs just to talk to Him. So busy people, they had to have his uh, disciples be like bouncers to keep people from away. Just just to have an alone time, he would get up at three a.m. in the morning and go and pray for hours alone. But he knew that God had to be his most desire. He knew he had to make an intentional effort in his life to get alone with God. He had to find that secret place. And if Jesus Christ needed a secret place, how much more do you and I need a secret place today? I do, and I do, just to turn it all off and say, God, you're my most favorite person. So I fear Him, I trust Him, I seek Him. Number four, I wait on Him. David knew this well in his life, Psalm 25. He said, I waited on God all the day. I meditate on His Word day and night. I think uh, it's often difficult to enter in that secret place. I find this uh, on a weekly basis. I go down to pray. And it's like squirrel, you know. Like, uh, you know, this light over here is just not quite center. And I just get, you know, I just begin. Even in the in the church now, I begin to think, or a text, or a phone call, or email, or Facebook dings, or you know, somebody comes in, or or whatever it be, wherever you are. There's always some distraction, is there not? And and I begin even in life, even uh, you know, even in my job, I just confess that. Even as a pastor, uh, you begin to go to that secret place with God and you be like, you know, I got this to do today, I got that to do today. God, I, I got to hurry this up. Can you hurry up and answer this prayer? Can we have some quick time together this morning? Because, God, I got an appointment at 10 o'clock. I got this coming up. I got that coming up. And tonight I got to mow the yard because so and so's coming over. And you just begin to do these things. David said, but you know what? I, I wait. I wait. You know what waiting does with me? It lets me trust Him a lot more. Because when I say, okay, God, Even though I know I have all this stuff coming up, let's just wait. You know that shows, God, you trust me. That waiting begins to prune this anxiousness out of my life. And I begin to say, God, okay, I'm just going to sit here and breathe. And know you got it. I'm not stressing. I'm not worried. I'm resting in the secret place. Because that veil was torn. And as a child of God, I have full access into the presence of the Holy Spirit. And even if I don't feel it right now, I'm going to keep waiting. I'm going to keep waiting because the promise says that I'm going, to, I'm going to get it. And so however long it takes, I might have to wait two, three hours. I may have to get up in the middle of the night when the chaos of life is gone and everybody else is asleep and get up and just wait. How many people are that desperate for God's presence today? I say, God, I just need to get it all out of my head. You get the stress of the burden of caring for a, a house and a job and a family, or trying to get through life and survive and have a retirement and make it and have ends meet on the table. You know what? There's no better place to be than just waiting in the presence of God. Because you know what? You're not in control. He is. Amen. Amen. I fear Him. I trust Him. I seek Him. I wait. Spurgeon said, he said, if you want to have that splendid power in prayer, you must remain in loving, living, lasting, conscious, practical, abiding union with Jesus Christ. And what happens when you find it? David in the wrote, wrote this, and I'm closing with this. He said in his Psalms when he began to find that secret place with God, He says, Psalms 91, verse 1, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. That word for Almighty is El Shaddai. That means the mighty God. They would write that psalm and later he would add to it and he would say, but I know that God is a fortress for me. And though a thousand die at my side. Though all these things happen, disease around me, I know that I am in the hands of the Almighty God. Who can touch me when I have met him in the secret place and I know him in the shadow of his wings, the protection of the father's strong arms and the protection of his wings? God's got me. So let me tell you today, there's a secret place for you and in the middle of it is victory. Not only is there victory, but number two, there are times of refreshing today for you who find that place. Psalms 31, verse 20, he said he would keep me in the shelter of his presence away from the world's strife and all the talk of the enemy around me. And so when I received that place, and no matter even in the center of that cave where he was, and all the attacks of the enemy that would come around him, and all the gossip that might be happening to him in, in Jerusalem, he could find a bubble of the Holy Spirit that no matter where you are today, the presence of God can come and meet you right then, right now then everything else begins to fade away and you can find seasons and times of refreshing. Even the book of Acts, it says that that's why the Holy Spirit has come today, to dwell in your hearts, that you may have a times of refreshing. Times of refreshing in the Holy Spirit. So you find victory, times of refreshing. He gives you songs of deliverance. And get this, when the Holy Spirit comes in those times, you can go from speaking worries to singing worship. You can go from remembering your pain to reminding yourself of His promise. And you can go from talking about your trials to telling about His truths. Because the presence of the Holy Spirit, the Holy of Holies, the veil being torn is now access into the presence of God. In that secret place, God's all you need. You find victory, you find times of refreshing, and you find new life. And David, I'll end with this. He said... I, Psalms 27, verse 13, he said, I would have despaired. <laughs> I would have despaired unless I had believed I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You see, that little tangible presence of God on this earth was a reminder that God's got it all figured out. And one day, we're going to experience the fullness of God and behold His beauty. And that secret place is going to become a daily reality. And maybe we don't live there every day. Let me tell you, every day you have access into the presence of the most holies of holies. There is a secret place. And if for those who fear Him, for those who trust Him, for those who seek Him, for those who wait upon them, they're going to find victory. They're going to find times of refreshing. And they're going to find everlasting life in the presence of God. Amen? Amen. Worship team, would you come? With every head bowed, every eye closed today.